Hello, hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday or happy Sunday for you Patreon subscribers. Welcome back to Just Friends Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and this is part two of our conversation with Emily Berry. So if you haven't already listened to part one, make sure you go check it out first, but definitely come back and listen to part two. Emily was a wonderful guest, really thoughtful, and she's helped me out so much with the podcast and the marketing and just giving me tips and tricks for how I can make this whole thing easier for myself. She's a really cool, thoughtful person, and I really appreciated my conversation with her. And I know you guys want to hear the second part, so I'm going to go ahead and let you guys check it out. Part two of our conversation with Miss Emily Berry. What really, what changed? Was it you? Was it the job that that made it to where you were ready to make the transition that you made into what you're doing now? I mean, it was a lot. It was both. So the I remember I started in May of, what, 2017, I think. And that Labor Day weekend, we had went to Lexington to go to the Red, White, and Boom concert. And just for that weekend to kind of get out of that element, I'd been working there for, what, like three months, to get out of the element. And just I actually had a lot of alone time because Chris was working nights at the time, so he would sleep in really late, and I would just go walk around. And I would think about my future and what I wanted to do. And that was when I decided this wasn't it. I've got to figure out what it is. I don't know what it is. So after that weekend, I think I like looked into making a website. I made a business plan, but I didn't do anything with it. Probably a year later, I kind of had another epiphany of wanting to do something different. So I called my friend Dina, the one that I like really value that friendship with from New York because she kind of does her own thing. And I was just like, how do you do it? Like, how did you get to where you want to go? And, you know, we had this long conversation where she was giving me some tips of just how to start thinking about doing things for myself. And one of them was, you know, looking into people on social media that are doing what you want to do, following them and figuring out how they got there. So I started following this other dietitian who actually coaches dietitians to have their own business. I started following her on social media. I started listening to her podcast and one podcast, this guy comes on who also coaches dietitians. And this guy is on there being all crazy. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, like I really resonate with him and I like his message. So I start following him on social media. I start listening to his podcast. I sign up for all of his emails. I start chatting with him on like Messenger, just like, hey, I'm, I think, you know, this might be for me. And I know it's a high investment program to work with this guy. And I'm, you know, kind of going back and forth of do I want to do this? I feel like I need to do this. And it was during the whole like CPS debacle that I was like felt so out of control in my life. And all of a sudden I realized, if I hate my job and I hate that part of my life, I have to change it. I don't give a shit how much this costs. I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out where to find the money and I'm going to start taking control of my life um, because that's the only way I can be happy. And I signed up and paid this guy a lot of thousands of dollars. But, <laughs> and, he's, and so he's teaching you to do what? A lot of business and marketing. A little okay. bit of coaching, like a little bit of taking the knowledge that we learned in school, because they don't particularly teach coaching. Mm -hmm. 
um, and how to apply that to people and how to help them like move forward. That, that part's a small piece of it, but it's mostly business related. Okay. I asked that question poorly. What I really was trying to say is like, so what would you describe what you do now for a living? Um, I mean, I call it nutrition coaching, nutrition coaching. Um, and it's, I get one-on-one clients who I work with like on a very individual basis. I, you know, we're talking on the phone and I'm helping them set up habits to like work towards a healthy lifestyle and the goals that they want. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it's not like a, um, step-by-step program that I've like created. It's literally just you talking to me and me helping you move mm-hmm. forward. People need support. Yeah, and they need individualization too because that's part of the problem with the programs and diets out there now is it doesn't take into account the nuances in your life that make this hard for you. Right. And so you have a background in dietetics where you were already creating like and prescribing nutrition plans to people. So Mm -hmm. you're very, very familiar with creating individualized nutrition plans for people and so that's do you provide that to them now also do you provide your clients with a nutrition plan um so working as a dietitian you don't necessarily create like an individual plan like in the clinical setting they have specific diets and you can just say you need this diet or this diet or this diet um and what i do now i don't necessarily like give my clients maybe like a meal plan or tell them exactly what to eat we'll just set up some small goals of you know, hey, are you eating enough vegetables? Well, let's focus in on that. And oh, what, you don't like vegetables? Well, let's talk about how to put them in other foods. Or Mm -hmm. oh, you find them hard to prepare? Let's talk about the convenience options or meal prepping that might help. Um, And then setting up, you know, these small goals that, that I know are moving them towards a healthy lifestyle because I know what that should look like. Um, But figuring out how they can do it. Gotcha. That makes sense because really in order to make big transitions in life, you got to make small little incremental transitions. Exactly. That's why most diets fail is because it takes the life you're living and it flips it on its head. It's like, oh, you, you know, I don't know, Whole30. Now you have to cut out half the food you were eating. And then 30 days is up. And now, you know, where do you go from here? Mm -hmm. And people just don't know how to sustain any change. And I mean, change is hard. Like I 100% get change is hard and it is hard to sustain your changes. That's why, you know, what I focus on are small steps, but also not just telling people you have to do this, but like, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. That is super interesting. You know, I read something recently that talked about how important coaching was going to be in like in this new economy that we're creating. Because what's happened is we've kind of, We've sort of started to figure out some things that seem to be universally true in, in terms of like organizing your life in a way that helps you be more successful. But not everybody is learning those things. And there are not a lot of systems in place that, that everybody goes through that teach you those things. Usually you learn those things at home from family members and from parents and stuff like that. But if you don't learn that, wh- where do you learn that as an adult? Where do you right. go as an adult? to get taught these important lessons. And so that's like, is that what coaching seems like to you? It's like these people never really learned how to handle their nutrition and their diet in a way that is going to be sustainable and is going to bring long-term success um, to them. And so now you're just trying to coach them on how to transition into that like new 
way of organizing their lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's partially home life, but also our culture. Mm. We are very like diet centric, weight loss fanatic, like no weight is low enough kind of mentality. And it's pushed in so many different areas. And I mean, eventually it starts to affect people. Like eventually you start to lose touch with your own like hunger and fullness cues. Like I have a client I was talking to recently that we were talking about cravings versus hunger. And she said to me, I I don't want to sound stupid, but like what is hunger supposed to feel like? And I mean, I, she's not alone that it's not a stupid question. A lot of people have lost touch with the like beginning stages of feeling hungry. They only know that they're hungry when they're starving. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's stuff like that because you know, diet, culture treats you or conditions you to start to go to something else to tell you what to eat rather than yourself and Mm -hmm. rather than learning it's like just follow this plan follow this eating pattern um only eat these foods and you'll be good and people start you know it seems like the easy way out because you don't have to think about it but at the end of the day it's not going to be successful and i also think that like i definitely agree coaching is a necessary part of like adults lives because for me my coach has taught me way more than business I mean he has taught me a lot of mindset and the group that I'm in um, because it's like a coaching and mastermind group Mm -hmm. they have taught me a lot about mindset a lot about sharing like I am not someone who shares a lot of personal stuff um, and just how that that is bonding and it can actually make you feel better to talk about you know personal experiences and i don't know and just communication and so many like amazing things that i needed like as an adult as like a 20 i was 27 when i joined so you know 27 years and i still hadn't figured out a lot of these basic things that i needed to learn yeah i think i can relate to that honestly um and i imagine a lot of people can relate to that just some things that you're doing work and other things that you're doing are not working and trying to figure out how to change those things that aren't working or even identifying that they're not. Um, cause I know for me personally, like I definitely am addicted to sugar and like trying to change that has been like a humongous challenge. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. So the good thing about carbs from a biological standpoint is that they're quick energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in the day, if we didn't like have a lot of food, but we needed some quick energy, like if we had a carb source, that was great. Um, the same reason why high fat foods are more appealing is because fat is the most calorically dense macronutrient there is. And so, you know, from a survival standpoint, it's awesome. But you're right, fat and sugar are making their way into places that they shouldn't be in our food system. Um, And it can be really hard to avoid when foods are like really high in fat or sugar that shouldn't be. And it feels like a normal part of like what you're eating in a day. Of course, you know, those sugar cravings, they can come from a lot of places. Um, And one thing I teach like my clients is kind of trying to solve the root of the issue rather than just saying, let's cut back your sugar. Uh You're eating too much sugar, let's cut back because you know, your body is telling you, I want, I need sugar. We start by looking at sleep. Are you sleeping enough? Because if you're tired, obviously your body's looking for like a quick energy or are you stressed? Stress increases cravings. Stress increases specifically sugar cravings. Um, And are you eating enough in the day? 
because if you aren't, if you're eating too low, then your body is going to start craving these things to help boost it up really quickly. Mm -hmm. That makes a whole lot of sense. One of the things that I notice about myself is I want to eat like crap when I'm feeling bummed out. Anytime I'm ever like, like if I had a rough day, I just want to eat to regulate my emotions. Yeah. How much do you deal with people who are just eating because it makes them feel good when they're otherwise feeling crappy? A lot. I mean, that plays into it too. It kind of goes back to trying to hit the source of the problem. When people are dealing with negative emotions, we talk about different ways that they can deal with those emotions without using food, but never to say that you cannot eat when you're feeling like crap. I mean, if you you do the things we, you try to journal, you try to talk to a friend, you try to go for a walk and you're just like, all I want is this damn cookie. None of these things are working and I feel like shit. Then eat the damn cookie and we'll figure out how to help you better out throughout the day, how to help you manage those emotions. And so you don't get home and you don't have that happen again. That's the problem with that I have. And I can only speak about myself. So I keep bringing it back to me, but I can only talk about like the struggles that I face. So like one of the things I definitely know about life is that everything is temporary and usually the nice things are the most fleeting. So like I'll feel really great while I'm eating that cookie but the moment I swallow the last bite of that cookie, I'm like, fuck, I want another cookie. Because mm-hmm. what, I, what I want is the nice feeling that I was getting when I was eating it. And the reason I'm saying all of these things is because I imagine there are a lot of people listening to this who aren't stup- super proud of the way that they eat. And they're not super proud of the consequences of the decisions that they make about their nutrition. So what would you say to that person, that person who feels like maybe their whole uh, their whole outlook on what is healthy eating is totally screwed up because they've been eating a standard American diet for their whole life and being told that that's normal when in reality it's killing like 80% of the nation. Yeah. But they don't know how to change it. And um, also when they change it, it bums them the fuck out. Like every time – like that's one of the things that I notice about diets is like I don't stop dieting because of any physical feeling for me it's always like mental i lose my fortitude i i can no longer suffer anymore i need that nice feeling that comes from eating crappy food yeah i mean i would say a lot but i would like i would start by telling these people like it's not your fault that you have been raised in conditions to eat a certain way it's not your fault that, you know, if you fell victim to like some diets that ended up, you know, negatively backlashing. I mean, that is the culture and the society and the environment that we've all been brought up in. So just start by like forgiving yourself for like where you have become and it's never too late to change. Just try to make the best changes for yourself and do so in a way that doesn't feel crappy. So if you are just, you know, totally have gone off the rails and you feel like nothing you eat is healthy ever, start by focusing on one thing that you can start doing today that would make you feel good and isn't going to like you're not going to quit it in a week. Maybe it's just drinking water. Do you drink water throughout the day? Like, I don't know, start with two cups and see how that makes you feel if it makes you like if you do it for a week and you're like this is easy i can do this 
do a little bit more. Same thing, maybe try working out moving one day or adding one vegetable into your day. Um, it's all about these small changes that make you feel good. Like dieting should not suck. Change is hard. And sometimes we have to really like focus in and prioritize on the change we're making, but it shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel like you want to quit most of the time. And I think you would obviously recommend to people who struggle, who would maybe their response to that would be, well, that's easier said than done. Do you think it's because they're trying to do that by themselves and they don't have a support system in place? I think part of it is. I mean, it's, it is hard when you don't have like the formal education to look at your life and be like, well, yeah, I could just do this one thing. I mean, a lot of the times when I'm talking to clients, you know, I'll get their history and I'll just be like, okay, so do you think you can do this? And I'll suggest something based off of what they've told me. And like, they're like, oh yeah, I can do that. And sometimes they have really shitty weeks. Like almost all of my clients have young kids. And so they are like all sick right now. Like every child in the world, I'm pretty sure is sick right now. (laughs) Knock on wood, not Bobby. Um, But they are like, what am I supposed to do? Like my kid was supposed to go to school and like now I've been home with them and they've been up all night. And a lot of that is just having this person to turn to. And I mean, I also connect my clients in like a private group too. So having other people Mm. to turn to and just kind of vent and be like, like I had these goals and I'm not hitting them this week. And you know, we get on the phone. I'm like, Hey, it's okay. You survived this week. That's fine. This is one week. One week is nothing in your journey. So even if you have a bad day or a bad week, it's okay. Just try to pick back up where you left off and move forward. Maybe just maintain for the next week or two with your habits and kind of get back in the swing of things and then keep taking some small steps forward. I was going to ask you if you had like, because I think it's definitely important to have a coach, to have somebody who has wisdom who uh, in the same way that in a career, it's important to have a mentor and or just in the same way that when you're learning, it's important to have a teacher. Like all of those roles are very important, but it's also really important to have people around you who are experiencing the exact same thing that you're experiencing and who can offer that support and that insight into what's happening and who can lend encouragement to you and say like, look, I've been there too. And this is this is how it feels, but you know, this is the outcome. Exactly. I mean, a hundred percent. Like I, the reason that I even connect my clients the way that I do is because my coach connects us. So where can people who are interested in learning more about this, like where can they find you? Where can they find what you're about and what you're doing? Um, the best place is my Facebook group, which is just nutrition coaching with Emily. Um, that is where I give the most in-depth information and tips um for people looking to learn more i also have instagram um i've changed my what's it called handle to mama berry nutrition um and you know that's good those are little tidbits of information but i really think that that facebook group is the best place to connect and learn um more about what i'm doing cool so it's called nutrition coaching with emily Mm -hmm. e-m-i-l-i-e yes people need to get that shit straight yeah because uh it's weird. Thanks, mom and dad. Well, it'll be <laughs> when, on this episode when I post it, as long as I don't fucking delete it by accident. <laughs> um, I'll spell it right on there, so that won't be hard to find. But we we touched on we skipped over a big part of your life because after you guys got back from New York City, you and Chris had a lot of really big life changes while you guys were while you were also transitioning from career to career and then ultimately transitioning into this new journey as a life coach you guys got married you guys had a baby 
like what was that all how did that whole process go what was that like well um at the point when we moved back from new york we had been together for like six years i think we knew we were gonna stay together mm-hmm. chris and i both aren't like so sold on like the institution of marriage not like we knew we wanted to stay together mm-hmm. forever we just didn't care what the label was yeah. and that was a big thing that you know why it took us so long to get married um it just seemed i guess kind of pointless but at the end of the day there's a lot of legal things that are easier when you're married mm-hmm. so we get back from new york we finally both have some good stable jobs um we were living with his dad and we I was like kind of over living with his dad. We lived there for a year. We were living in the basement. It wasn't like the most ideal situation, but we help him out with a lot. And so moving wasn't just as simple as us leaving. Right. Our neighbor's house went up for sale. And like the neighbor that we share a driveway with, that's like literally right there. And we had $0 in our savings account. And I was like, we should buy this house. (laughs) Like this, this is, you know, what we should do. This is the right move. Because people probably don't realize this. You touched on it a little bit, but I just want to expound upon it. Like living with Chris's dad meant helping him with a lot of his day-to-day yeah, like I, activities yeah. that he would need someone there to help him with. Yeah, I mean, you know, he can get up and take care of himself. But we do his laundry. We cut his grass. We cook most of his like dinners for him. Um, and if he needs any stuff around the house, like that kind of stuff. Because um, how old is George? 73 or 4. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if people would realize that because on average, most people listening to this parents are probably in like their 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. But George is in his mid 70s, yeah, which is a little bit unique. He is. Well, like Chris was adopted by his grandparents. Right. So, um, so, yeah, like we, you know, we knew we couldn't really move away from him at that point. And, um, yeah, we I saw this house up for sale. And I had, it had been up for sale for like a week before I even had this epiphany of like, a duh, we should buy it. I told Chris and Chris is just like, I don't know, like we don't have any money saved. How would we even do this? And this is kind of a theme in my life. I get these crazy ideas and I just wait for people to tell me, no, 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 don't do it. And when I don't hear no, that's like how I end up doing a lot of crazy stuff. (laughs) But I, you know, I call my parents because Chris is like, maybe just look into it. Just try because he didn't think we would get it. Mm -hmm. He was like, go ahead and try. So I call my parents and I'm like waiting for them to say, you should not buy a house right now. That's insane. And both of them are like, yeah, do it. Here's our realtor. And so I call the realtor and long story short, we got the house. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like, it it wasn't that bad of a process. We just had to use a credit card for a couple of months to like save up the down payment. We made like a really small down payment, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we did. We got the house and I'm super glad we did because I would not have started a family while we were living at Chris's dad's house. Mm-hmm. And so we moved in in November. And at this point, we both have steady jobs. We're making like the most money we've ever made as a couple. Uh, not like it was insanely much, but it was enough, you know. And Chris had want- been wanting to have a kid for forever. And I was always the one that was like, "Uh, no, we're in college. No, we're in New York. No, I don't want you at your dad's house. And I tell him, okay. Like it was <laughs> December or January of 2018 and i was like okay we can try now and we were very lucky that it only took one try and yeah we got pregnant and that started i also remember so my poor parents i told them that we were going to start trying and we weren't married at the time they weren't super happy about that oh yeah that was kind of one of those instances where i was like oh this is gonna suck um we were in the car and i was driving 
and we were just chatting and then I was like, so Chris and I are gonna start to try to have a baby. And it was just silence, like nothing. A couple minutes later, I was like, so did you guys wanna say anything about that? <laughs> My dad goes, I mean, I could, but you aren't gonna listen anyways. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, pretty much, so. It's funny, you, you know, mentioned it earlier that you kind of have like a more modern view on marriage. Your parents, it seems, had a more traditional view on like what family and marriage and all of that was supposed to look like. Yeah, they did. They were also used to me kind of going off of like the typical path already at this point. I mean, you know, moving to New York and like buying a house with Chris. We weren't married. Um, like the big thing, this is what I told them because we got married at the courthouse. I, you know, when we got pregnant, I I knew it was important to my parents that we were actually married before the baby was born. And just legally, it was gonna be easier. Like, it, it was just gonna be easier. And so we actually, it was pretty cool. We got married at the same courthouse that Chris's parents got married at. Um, so I really appreciated like that connection, um, especially cause like I never got to meet his mom. So. Oh, really never met Patty? Mm-mm. That's so sad. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I feel like I know her from what I've heard from about her, but I did, I did appreciate that connection and um, I told my parents, like, basically, if you, if you want, we'll do a traditional wedding if that's important to you um, later. And I was super surprised that I really thought my dad is a very, like, traditional person. I really thought he was going to be sad that his only daughter, like, didn't have him walk her down the aisle. But he didn't. He was like, you know, I really want, I mean, I, I appreciate this for my dad. He was like, I really just want you guys to do what you want to do and what makes you happy. Yeah. And so we, you know, a year after, so we got married at the courthouse, Bobby was born the next year, we got a cabin down in Gatlinburg and just invited our friends to party for a weekend. And that was our wedding. I didn't go with that. I'm a jerk. Yeah. But I heard it was a blast. It's cool. I mean, I'm sure your wife's cousin's wedding is more important, but whatever. It was fun. (laughs) Uh, What was I going to say? Oh, no, but I heard that it was a blast. It was really fun. I mean, it was, Yeah. There was definitely, there was some drama over the weekend. And I think that no matter what, like, even though we were trying to do like a less serious wedding, when it comes to an event like that, that's really important to you, you're going to look back on it and wish some things had went differently. Of course. No matter course. what. And like the, the one thing that bummed me out, like the whole weekend was amazing. And I'm so appreciative to all the people that like got sitters for their kids and drove five hours or flew because like Ryan and Natalie came. Well, I think they drove, but you know, drove really far. Um, but the one thing that kind of bummed me out was like the night of the actual like like event type thing is like no one would dance. And I was so <laughs> sad. I was like for like four or five songs in a row, I was out there dancing by myself. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of had Bobby with me. So I like wasn't a total loser, mm-hmm. but I was just like waiting for people to come dance and like no one did. And then like I like ran around and was like, come on guys, let's dance. And then and no one did. Not a van- You didn't have a super dancey crowd. Yeah. You, didn't have super- you had Chad there. Chad's like the opposite of dance. If there's a person in the room who wants to dance, and Chad's in that room. He de- he negates their desire to dance with his with how much he doesn't want to dance. Uh, but he, I mean, other than that one piece, like it was a really fun weekend. There are always things I think about every wedding. I was in a wedding one time with my friend Kate, um, and her husband Gabe. I was in their their party. Um, I was a, a groomsman, and I was supposed to do a reading, but before the wedding had happened, it was an outdoor wedding. It had poured. 
right? Mm. And so then right before the wedding was about to happen, the skies just opened up and it was beautiful. And it was like, even the ground had started to dry and all this stuff. So they're like, let's reset up this whole ceremony. So we had already torn the ceremony down and reset it up underneath this covered thing. And then they were like, okay, well, let's set it back up again. So I was like, let's go. You know, let's get this gung-ho. We got this whole thing gone, like set up. Everybody walked out. Everybody was in the right spots. It had, it had come together in like eight minutes before the actual ceremony went off. And I was feeling good. I was standing there just chilling, just feeling like, hell yeah, we got this thing off without a stitch. And then I heard my cue to do my reading. I was not prepared. I'd completely forgotten that I was supposed to do it. Oh, no. And because at that point, like, I'd been so focused on, like, the tearing down and the resetting back up of the ceremony that, like, I'd forgotten that there was, like, rolls. And I had tucked this paper that I was supposed to read into the side of my shoe. Because at my pants, I had rented a tux. And all the pockets were sewn shut. So I didn't even have pockets. Oh, my gosh. So I stuck this little thing in the side of my shoe. But in the process of, like, working around, it had worked its way up underneath my foot. So I couldn't even reach down and grab it out. So they said my cue. I was like, I'm not prepared. They're like, okay, cool. We'll come back to you. Uh, I looked it up on my phone and they came back to me and I read it. I mean, that's like a small little blunder. And at least they got to do it outside. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Also, they really enjoyed making fun of me about it. <laughs> so that worked out nicely. Yeah. My cousin's wedding got rained out and we ended up having to be inside. That's, oh, I could, you are brave for doing an outdoor wedding. We got lucky. I was not about to risk that. I mean, not that we did a real wedding ceremony anyways, but. Mm -hmm. My sister's wedding ceremony was planned to be outside and then it rained. But theirs was beautiful inside. Honestly, it worked out really nice. So. Yeah. So now you're married. You got a little baby. Little girl. How old is Bobby? She is 15 months. 15 months. So a little when, over a year. When do you stop counting in months? I have no idea. I didn't like, I can call her a year, but then at the same time, when I look at back where she was at 12 months old, she's very different now. Mm -hmm. And, but like a year and a like, a, what do I say? A year and a quarter? I don't know. I mean, I used to think it was weird when people said months. And now that I'm a parent, I get it because they change so much so quickly mm -hmm. that the difference between 12, 15, 18 months is actually really big. I feel like it's, it really ends about 18 months. Yeah. You, you I mean, or at least twos. two. Yeah. I would say like definitely. Actually, you're right. Two. You nailed it. Two. Two is probably well, what's the time. After eight? Yeah, maybe it is 18 months. Cause you don't hear people say like 20, 21 months. 21 months. I would probably just call her a year and a half, maybe. I don't know. Who cares? I learn as I go. I have absolutely no idea what an 18-month-year-old should be like or like a two-year-old should be like. I know what my 15-month-old baby is like, and that's it. And mm -hmm. that's, that's just how I've parented the whole time. It's like learn just as I go. Well, you kind of have to because it's going to be different in three days anyway. That's what Chad talked about a lot. He was like, you know, you you finally, he's like, I'm, I'm big on a routine. You finally get in a routine. It takes like three weeks. And then that's around about the time that everything totally changes. Yeah. So our child, our child for the first 14 months of her life did not sleep through the night. Mm. We like miraculously got her to sleep for like 12 hours at a time for like an, a week and a half straight. And I was like, this is it. We can move her into her own room. Like, like my, like my life instantly got so much easier because I was given back like four hours in the day. Cause she wouldn't even fall asleep like without being right next to me. I mean, it was, it was rough for a while. And um, now she's not sleeping through the night anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> moral of the story. I mean, it's better. Like she will like last night, 
she woke up once. I just laid her back down. I didn't have to pick her up or anything. I just laid her back down and she went back to sleep. So, I mean, it's way better than what it was. But yeah, it's, you think you got it and then you don't. And to me, that's the hardest part of parenting is when you take a step forward and then they regress and you're just like, oh my God, my life was so easy. Like for this week, I didn't even realize I was missing this the last year of my life. And then they take it back from you. Mm. Like that's, that's been the hardest part. I'm totally freaked out by parenting. I'm totally, I'm very hyper aware that that person is a product of, of you as mm-hmm. a person. And so like, I'm not super in love with the me that is sitting right here, but like, I don't want to create a little human being who like eats their feelings or who like is terrified of vegetables. I don't necessarily, all these, all these, there's a lot of things that are very good for you that I have a learned aversion to. And that if I had a kid right now, I would totally fucking pass those things on to my kid. And so like, trying to figure out like how to parent it's just not something i want to take on i'm not ready to take it on so like i my hats are is off to all of my friends who have babies because like the challenge that they've decided to take on for the rest of their lives is one that for me totally freaks me the fuck out i mean i gotta be honest it scares the shit out of me too (laughs) like i like I love my parents and you know they have done a lot right but I I don't want a parent like they parented mm-hmm. me I mean you know <laughs> it's really really scary to think about the fact that like how much influence and control that you have on your kids mm-hmm. and I still I make mistakes all of the time like just the other day bobby woke up too early usually i try to get a lot of work done in the mornings and she woke up too early and i was like please just play independently so i can do this work on my phone and she came up to me i was trying to record like a screen recording with a voiceover like instructional thing and she came up and started like babbling and like obviously is on the recording now and in that moment i was just like bobby come on and then i you know it's instant guilt you're like this child walked up to me like mom please give me attention and i gave negative like feedback to her Mm -hmm. and it's scary as shit and i mean that's just the beginning like she's like barely one i mean yeah she's she's soaking things in but when she's a kid that could be a moment that sticks out in her mind forever i remember like singular mistakes my parents made now as a kid because it sticks out to you and Mm -hmm. they might not even remember it but that that really, really scares me. You know, I don't, I mean, I, I feel like I still have time to work on it. And I think that's the thing with parenting is like, you are not going to be perfect. And your kid is what's going to motivate you to be better. Mm. I mean, you might have these changes you want to make in your life and you're not making them. Now, all of a sudden, it's like you're like to the wire. Like, you've, you've got to start being better because they are becoming versions of you. Mm hmm. At the end of the day, it probably says more about like how I handle adversity than it does about, I guess really what it comes down to is once you take on that goal, you got to focus on the wins and you can't focus on the losses because if you focus on the losses, you'll be bummed out because there are definitely going to be times when you fuck up. Yeah. I mean, Uh, I think you can learn. You can learn from failure. Yeah, for sure. You have to learn from failure. You, you don't judge, don't judge yourself. Yeah. Like 
Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, that's actually a thing I coach my clients on too, mm-hmm. is, you know, we, we learn failure is feedback. Mm-hmm. You, you learn and you move forward without judgment and, and you celebrate your wins. Yeah. Maybe once I learned to do that really well, then maybe I'd feel more comfortable having a kid. But you don't want kids. I don't want them. So why do you even gotta like? I don't know. Think too much about I it. I feel pressure from people around me. Don't. I should. Do I don't. you? Do you? I don't, I don't actually feel pressure from people around me. Uh, there is pressure from people around me. But it doesn't affect but you. But I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the way I live. Quite a bit of my life is like you know I was telling you just you know that untraditional route. Um. I know that not everyone approves, but at the end of the day, like what matters to me is the way I feel and the way Chris feels and like a little bit, you know, my family and friends too, but it's mainly us. Yeah. I think that's true. I I can relate to that with myself and Sarah. Cause I mean, like I just made a huge life change. I mean, like I literally, this is the first podcast I've done where technically I'm not a teacher anymore. Oh my gosh. Which is really crazy. Yeah. No. Awesome. Congratulations. You You did like... I feel I feel so proud of you, even for just starting this podcast. Yeah. Because I remember when you were talking about this podcast. Oh yeah. And I I hadn't been working with my coach for very long, so I was still so like in it. And I was like, do it. You have to do it. You have to do the things in life that make you happy. And you just start, and you f- like don't do it perfectly. Just start doing what makes you happy. And m- maybe starting this podcast was helped you transition to quitting that job because you started doing something that made you happy. You realize you can do more things that make you happy, and then you take risks just to continue to be more happy. So let me ask you this. What to you though is scarier? The unknown or 15 years of teaching? Oh, 15 years of teaching. Right. What's scarier? That was like, that was a big realization for me because uh, starting a business when like, I mean, I'll be honest, Chris doesn't make enough money to support our family by himself. Mm -hmm. Starting my business, taking out loans, using credit cards, that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. But it was not as scary as working in long-term care for the rest of my life. Waking up, just feeling that feeling every single day, that's scarier. Yeah. That's, I mean, because that was one of the things. It was a conversation that I'd had with multiple teachers. They were like, yeah, you know, it's normal to cry on your way into work every day for the first two or three years. No. So that was really scary and i appreciate you saying the nice things that you said about me because like there has been a lot of really interesting and crazy changes that have taken place recently yeah and i i think that a lot of people can like just resonate and learn from like the things you said like you it doesn't matter what job you're in you shouldn't be waking up every day miserable Mm -hmm. like and change is scary like change is terrifying especially when it's big and it's not always a career move um and i think that there are some people who don't love their jobs but are okay with that and that's okay too but if it is leaching into other areas of your life then that's the time you need to look at you know what can change mm-hmm. um i mean and i think that there's a difference too like sometimes you are going through a stressful period at your job but that's if you true. at the end of the day are happy with what you're doing or happy with the way that what you're doing provides for your family and you feel okay with it and at peace with it and not trapped by it, you know, you're going to go through some hard times potentially, but you shouldn't like wake up day after day, just dreading going into work. I 
used to show up to work late. I mean, I didn't really have a time I had to be there, but I should get there around nine. And I would get to buildings at 10, at 11 sometimes because I just didn't give a shit. Like I would wake up and I'd press snooze or I'd go get Starbucks when I like definitely like shouldn't because I was running late already. And I just didn't care. Um, And I know a lot of people are out there in their jobs like wanting something more. And, you know, it might not be a career change right at first. Like for you, you picked something different to change in your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you say you started with, you know, your relationship. But even more recently, it was just you becoming more true to yourself, following a project that you had been wanting to do. And those like, you know, eventually that led to a really big decision Mm -hmm. of leaving your job. Um, so if anyone else is like out there and just feeling kind of stuck and miserable, like I would just say, try to change, you know, one thing if it's, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Everyone's going to be different. So for them, maybe it is getting out of a organization that they don't feel is true to them or joining an organization, an organization that's going to bring them some joy. Um, but yeah, just like, just try something, try to get out of your comfort zone and try to see how it feels. Sometimes you just need a little bit of a shake up. And would you encourage people to seek out coaches, to seek out mentors, people who can help guide them through that process and give them direction and just, I mean, like I'm a product of coaching. And so it's really hard for me not to say coaching is the way to go because for me, I needed that push. I would not have done this without my coach because I was afraid. I was afraid when I first started, I was afraid to post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like I was afraid to do a Facebook live, really small things. And I needed him, but you don't have a coach. That's not fair. I mean, I I definitely do just not like a formal one that I've like chosen. Well, who would you say is your coach? Well, a lot of the big things that have my friends, that's part of the reason why I think this podcast is important because like it allows people to share wisdom. So a lot of the big changes that I've made with, so for example, like the big changes I made in my relationship, Dave Vandenberg was a really big coach for me through that. Cause he talked to me about something called the sunken time fallacy, which is like when you tell yourself that like, even though you hate this thing, you keep pursuing it because like I've already spent this much time doing oh, it yeah no that's not a good no mentality so, so like that's what i was like with my previous relationship i was like i've got this much time invested in it like i want to try to see this through i was like no you don't like this you don't want to be in this change it so he was a coach for me there and then in the process of like leaving the job that i have now tj was a big time in- a huge encouragement to me because like if you listen to his podcast you can hear him saying like if you hate this change it you can change it exactly and you know you have to be smart about how you do it you know like you don't want to just quit your job you have bills to pay but once you see an opportunity that could provide you a chance to change what you're doing but also maintain the lifestyle that you have take it and I don't know if I would have done that and then for sure Sarah is constantly encouraging me to make better decisions and is constantly being a voice of reason in my life and also being like a stable person who, I mean, she would talk about all of her own flaws and all of the things that she does and all the things that she struggles with. But from my perspective, she's a super healthy person. She handles things in a really level and thoughtful 
way and she gives me really good advice. So, I mean, like, even though I don't have one mentor or one coach, like I'm, I'm doing it because I'm getting coaching. The difference is, is just like, I'm open to like taking advice from people whom I trust and maybe not some people are willing to have that. Maybe they, in order to, to really have the advice that they're getting resonate, they need to know that it's coming from a person who has their best interest in mind and who has expertise on a situation, especially if it's a very, um, a very specific thing that they're wanting to change. Yeah, I think the expertise thing is a big part of it because so like from my standpoint, you know, my friends and family were super supportive of me making a change, but no one knew how to help me Mm -hmm. because they, you know, no one really knew business starting. I mean, you know, my mom tried to help like, oh, you should write a business plan and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like online nutrition coaching, I mean, that's, it's a pretty specific niche and I needed someone who was going to help me not make the million mistakes I would have made on my own. Yeah. And I think nutrition can kind of be the same way because people will give the best advice that they know how to give and it's not necessarily the best advice Mm -hmm. Um, because what what works for one person what works really well for one person could be the worst thing for another person Um, and I think you know working with someone like a dietitian um, who knows the different paths for different people and can help you correct when we try something and it doesn't work that can be really beneficial from like a health standpoint I mean if that's what you're going towards and working towards um so, you know, with you, it seems like you had you had the tools you needed to make the changes you did. You just needed someone to support your decisions. Yeah. Yeah, because I was afraid that I was making – I was afraid – I don't know. But, yeah, having validation was really important to me. And having somebody say, like, you know, this is something that it's okay if you choose to do this. I don't know, maybe being given permission to like give up was important for me because like otherwise like I would feel like I was quitting and I was failing. But sometimes quitting is the right thing to do. Yeah, that's one of the things that has definitely been a lesson that I've learned recently is sometimes quitting is the right thing to do. You know, this is a little bit off topic, but kind of funny, like when you're talking about your previous relationship, I'm assuming it's like the girlfriend you had a long time yes i don't know if you're trying not to say her name or anything no i'm but, uh, well yeah okay. i don't know okay but i know who you're talking about right okay yeah. when the first time that i met you and like i remember this specifically too which is odd just in my shit memory but it was at jerry's which is yeah closing now i know that's sad um and you had just reconnected with her mm-hmm. and i remember so specifically just thinking about this like love story like even after we left the restaurant i was like this is gonna be so cool like one day we're gonna like go to their wedding and i'm gonna remember about like when they reconnected because chris had told me beforehand because he had been talking to you a little bit about it about like the history you had with her and like how important it was that you were reconnecting with this girl and you know it's just funny that my first impression of you was like like a romantic of you know this love story and at the end of the day it was actually a really bad situation for you and just i don't know i guess the comparison of my first impression of you versus where you are today you know with a really great wife Mm -hmm. who is not this person no it i think it goes to show just how poorly prepared we are 
to view other people. Uh, I'm, I just bought Malcolm Gladwell has that book. It's called uh, Talking to Strangers. And basically he, the premise is like we suck at interpreting other people's experiences because we don't have the context. We don't know anything about them as people. I think we also suck at communicating our own experiences, yeah. truthfully. Well, yeah, because we always want to like color it as like, you don't want anybody to really know what you're dealing with. You always want to make it seem like you're better off because we compare ourselves to each other so much. Mm-hmm. We're constantly like, like trying to keep up with the Joneses, as they would say. And I think that's worse than ever with social media. Yeah, I think the other thing, because this is where I struggle a lot. I struggle with sharing personal experience and I water it down and sugarcoat it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't think from my perspective, it's so much of a, I want to appear like I have my shit together, but it's this voice inside of my head. Like, why would this person care? Mm-hmm. Why would they care about this thing that I'm sharing? Like sometimes I find myself... I'll start talking about a topic and then just back away because I'm like, oh, wait, they're not interested. You need to shut up. You're talking too much about yourself. And it's actually probably been within the last two years. I've even opened up more to Chris about things that happened when I was younger. Not like I feel pretty well moved on from a lot of my negative past. Um, But at the same time, it's just like, oh, like Chris didn't know this thing about me. Like we've been together for this long and that's a big thing. Like, yeah. You should I should just probably tell him. I don't know. Well, it's just it's it's hard when you have to try to because when I was leaving my job, I was terrified about telling my coworkers. I was terrified because I was going through the process of making this decision and like the timing was not great because it's the middle of the school year and I was like, man, these people. Are, I, I felt a little bit like I was abandoning them because I knew how challenging their job was and like I knew. from the previous year just like I knew like what could happen when you had people who were um who were members of this community leave like kind of like midway through like unexpectedly it can just be really like it can shake things up in like a negative way I thought they're gonna hate my guts they're gonna be so judgmental of me they're gonna say they're gonna think that you know like I'm abandoning my students they're going to feel like I'm abandoning them they're going to think I'm being selfish and like at the end of the day maybe some of those things are true but I wasn't I I can't really be concerned with how other people see me that was another bit of advice that that TJ gave me like or, don't worry so much about that or you choose the people that you care about how they see you yeah i mean yeah, I mean, and that's something like I feel like I've had to get over a lot with being more present on social media is random people will say really mean things to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I've finally gotten to the point where I can usually move on pretty quickly. When people question my intelligence, that one's really hard. Um, but yeah, I, I used to put a lot of weight into like these no-name people, like people I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're on mm-hmm. social media, but I definitely... I understand, you know, that fear of like, these are coworkers. These are people, you know, Mm -hmm. like, how are they going to view me? Like, I'm kind of letting the team down a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I think coupled with that, they might be like, okay, yeah, this is going to be hard now because he's leaving. But if they truly care about you, they're gonna be like, well, he's doing the right thing for him and his mental health and his, you know, well being, or they might just be a little bit jealous, you know, 
Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of that stuff going on, but ultimately they're all so supportive and they're amazing people. And oh, it makes awesome. me now want to keep maintain these relationships with these individuals because now like we've, we've definitely been through adversity together and we've definitely struggled together, but now also they've been really supportive of me taking myself out of that. And, you know, they have to stay behind and they've been really kind and just, I'm, I'm really, I feel really lucky to have made the relationships and built the relationships with the people that I did at DOS. And like, I just hope that I, I'm going to try really hard to maintain those things. Cause I think, I think we live in a culture that tells us we can do everything by ourselves. And that is a, a lie. We, you have to have people around you on your level who are supporting you and encouraging you and sharing with you their challenges so that you can see that you're not alone and then also have people coaching you and providing you with insight and wisdom and who are giving you, but who are also, you know, on your level and meeting you where you're at. And, and again, sharing with you their challenges. And so you can realize like the process that is personal growth and, and personal development. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me in this last year, like being part of that mastermind as I mean, there are people that are in the mastermind with me that are making over a hundred thousand dollars a year, super mm. successful. And just to hear some of those people talk about their business struggles, to hear some of these people talk about their personal struggles, it really brings you back to earth of like, okay, like they are just like me. I can be just like them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in a business standpoint, there, I, we start to tell ourselves stories sometimes of like, well, I'm never going to be like that. I'm not outgoing enough. Or I, you know, maybe I had a rough past. So like this other person, they're only there because they had a supportive childhood or whatever story we tell ourselves. And the more people share, the more we learn that we're all the same. No matter how you grew up, everyone has issues. Everyone has struggles. And to everyone, you know, for every person, whatever the worst struggle they had in their life, that, you know, it felt really strong because that was the worst struggle that they had. And just realizing that y you, there are no limitations. You can do what you want to do. And there are many other people who have been in your shoes that have progressed on. I think it's just really encouraging because it, you stop telling yourself these stories and you start figuring out how to do it. So what is next for you? You've started a business. You're now working as a nutrition coach. Mm -hmm. You've got clients, which is awesome. And you're doing that whole thing. Where do you see, and, and well, and you're a mom and you got a, like a, a 15 month old baby now and, and a wife. So, I mean, like you're fully adulting, <laughs> which sucks a little, it's, I think. Sometimes it's still weird. <laughs> it's still weird that I'm somebody's mom. Like, oh, that would freak me out. It's weird. If I were somebody's mom, I don't Even know what I would do. Even that I'm someone's wife. Like, me and Chris were boyfriend-girlfriend for forever. Mm -hmm. And now I'm someone's wife. Like, that sounds too old. Am I really that old? Was that a hard transition for you? And I mean, no. It, like, it wasn't for me either. Like, it, it's the same. Yeah. I mean, the, you, there's a different label. And sometimes yeah. I forget to call him my husband. But, you know... I do like taking his last name though, because yeah. Stutz is a weird last name. Barry is so much more marketable. <laughs> that was, it's like a food thing. So it almost kind of works out nice. Yeah. For you a little bit. Yeah. And like I branded it like mama Barry, like mama bear. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It, it Stutz like that's weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
wait, what's next for me? Right now, I'm just focused on growing my business. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have a little ways until like, I feel like I'm at like a good comfortable point. I don't think I'll ever stop trying to grow though because I I really enjoy working with people and the more people I can work with, the better. Um, so yeah, right now it's just, you know, figuring out how to make that work, right? Like we don't use childcare right now and that's kind of like the next step in me having a little bit more time to do my business. My eventual goals, like I guess, I don't know what you say, like five years would be I want to become successful enough that Chris can leave his job mm-hmm. and that he can go on his own ventures. We want to move and I want Chris to be able to try out whatever he wants to try out, whether it be woodworking or flipping houses or I don't know. He has some ideas. So that'll hopefully be within the next five years. That's cool. I can relate to that too. Cause I'm, I'm sort of having the chance to like go out and have these crazy experiments and like try new weird things and, uh, meanwhile, Sarah is nursing and she likes it and makes good money, but I definitely think she's slowly realizing that it's not like her forever job. Well, it's a hard job. Yeah. I mean, she works in like the ICU, right? Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't matter if you are like on the floor as a nurse, it's a hard job, yeah. but I can only imagine that sometimes I can take a really big emotional toll mm-hmm. in that kind of environment. For sure. So it's weird, you know, we're, we're in thirties. I'm not. And, well, you're not I'm yet. 28. Damn, Sarah's 26. So I'm 31. Are you 31? I'm 31. I turned 31 in January. Oh my gosh. Chris is, I feel so bad. I kind of didn't like do anything for Chris's 30th birthday. We were also doing the CPS thing at the time, which we didn't even touch on People that. Did, yeah, you kind of said it earlier. Do you want to talk about that experience? I don't care to. I mean, that's like, for me, things that have happened in my adulthood are a lot easier to share than things that happened in my childhood because I feel more justified to like talk about that. Um, because childhood things, they bring in other people. Right. That, that it, it, sometimes it doesn't feel sh- fair to share their story from my perspective because you don't get their perspective. Mm-hmm. Anyways, CBS, right. Um, Bobby May was four months old and she got what we later learned was viral related petechiae. Basically, little babies' immune systems aren't like that smart yet. And sometimes after they get sick, the immune system's kind of kicked up in overdrive. You have a little bit of like the capillaries might leak just because like, the immune system attacks the vessels or something. I might not be explaining this completely right, but that's my understanding. And she got these little pinpoint spots that were kind of purple colored, um, which is basically just like small amounts of bleeding. Um, And I noticed it one day and then it kind of got worse the next day. And I was going back and forth. Should I call? Should I not call? And eventually I was like, you know what? I'll just call the pediatrician. Better safe than sorry. You know, I'm that new mom that calls about everything, but whatever. <laughs> I would rather n- this not be serious. And it was after hours. And I'm like, they're going to think I'm so stupid. They're going to tell me what are, like, maybe come into the office tomorrow, but probably not. Um, I didn't know what I was doing when I called. And I described these as bruise colored spots, but they were like pinpoints. You should never use the word bruise in a baby in the same sentence if you don't want to deal with the consequences apparently they said we had to go to the er uh which super surprised me because like she's like acting normal they don't seem to even hurt her Mm -hmm. so i tell chris chris was at work at the time and he's like well you know wait till i get home and then we'll kind of figure this out and uh, i actually ended up calling i called my mom and i i was like i don't like 
she's like, are you sure? They said ER. So I called them back and I was like, can I just like re-explain these symptoms? And like, if you tell me to go to the ER, I'll go to the ER. But I don't feel like, you know, I just want to make sure you know exactly what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So I did. And they, yeah, were like, yeah, go to the ER. And it seemed weird, but we did. The whole way there, I'm just like, you know, they're, we're going to get admitted. They're going to be like, ah, new mom. Oh my gosh, you need to go home. Like you're being so like overreactional and like stupid. And we got admitted. So like every step of this process was so like, like, well, okay. Oh, this is weird kind of scenario. We go to women's and children's just cause like th- that's where I delivered her and I felt comfortable going there. Um, and they admit her, they do some testing on her. They start with a blood test, which was like the worst thing in the world. Putting an IV in a four month old is obviously not easy, but as a parent, I literally had to like hold her down while they were basically searching for a vein, which as an Mm. adult, you know how much it hurts when they have to search for a vein. Um, that sucked. I cried. Chris almost punched a nurse. I'm pretty sure he was over in the corner, just like fuming. I mean, like, yeah. And they did a blood test. They like this person came in. We didn't really know what was going on at the time. And this person came in and she was like, listen, I, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, but like, you know, I think she said forensics wants to like, just look into your case. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay. What, we have nothing to hide. Sure. Look into our case. We didn't really care. Um, so then we got like a bone scan and a CT scan on top of the blood test. And, we're just basically waiting and they're just telling us like, you know, they kept saying like, we're so like the nursing staff would be like, we're so sorry, but like, you know, they keep wanting to look into your case. And I was like, why are they so apologetic? I don't really understand what's going on here, but it was because they were starting to open a CPS CPS case against us. Mm. That's why they were so like making it a big deal. And so apologetic. We ended up because we couldn't take Bobby home because they were starting to open this case. We got, had to get transferred downtown to children's. Bobby had to ride on a stretcher in like in the middle of the night in March and it was freezing outside and she was naked because they had been like looking at her and stuff. I mean, she had a diaper on, but anyways, we had to ride in an ambulance to children's because they couldn't release her to us. Mm-hmm. We end up being at children's for like three days. And during these three days, we learn what's wrong which was the viral related petechiae after talking to like some hematology doctors and they set up this timeline. She had a cold. It lines up. This is what, you know, we're diagnosing her with. It's not serious. There's no health like issues about this. So that was good. You know, we knew she was healthy. There was nothing wrong. Um, but we were, had talked to a caseworker, a, someone from like pediatric forensics had come and take some pictures and asked us some questions too. And at this point, we, we thought we were waiting on this doctor's diagnosis to basically release us and not have to deal with this anymore. Um, because no one was really explaining to us what was going on from, like, the legal perspective. It, the doctor's diagnosis didn't matter because forensics has their own doctor who reviews the case on their own. They don't actually ever look at the baby, which is stupid. But the doctors at the hospital, they didn't matter. Uh, like their opinion didn't really matter. It had to be this forensics doctor. So like we got released, like we were about to get released from the hospital and we like at this point had been put on like uh, supervision with Bobby. Our, our caseworker came in and told us that we were getting put on supervision 
And we were like, okay, like, like, does the hospital provide somebody for this? Because what supervision is, is me and Chris can't be alone with her. Like nobody can be alone with this baby. That's not an approved supervisor mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she's like, no, the hospital doesn't provide that. You have to find your own supervisors. You get these people approved through this process. They have to like, they're not have, they have like a background check. They can't have watched the baby within the last two weeks. And, um, all this other stuff so it it made it harder to find supervisors because it couldn't be like Rhonda watched bobby all the time luckily my mom had been out of town prior so she got to be an approved supervisor which made you know that was helpful a lot but anyways we were like getting released and they're like yeah no you're still on supervision this will probably be for the next 14 days and at the time i'm glad they told me it was 14 days and not what it ended up being because i don't think i could have handled knowing how long it was going to be because i mean it's even overnight and everything so whatever we go home my mom and chris's dad because he never watched her solo so he got to be an approved supervisor at that point he hadn't um and our friend tim um were our main supervisors and we basically had to just figure out like who could come over who could people like stay who could stay the night would we have to go somewhere else to stay the night and schedule our lives around these other people's lives and figuring out who how to make this work for what i thought would be 14 days um it ended up being two months oh goodness gracious yeah and you know 14 days i could do it two months it got really really hard because i would just want to like go to the grocery store with Mm -hmm. my baby and not like I remember my mom coming out and coming to the grocery store and I was like, it's just so nice to like get to go to the grocery store with the baby. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is so nice. Like I never knew like I would love going to the grocery store. And even though my mom was there, um, y- you know, just going to the grocery store was nice. And there was times that I was like, I just want to be home and not with people that aren't Chris. Like I just want it just to be me, Chris and Bobby sometime. Like, and how old was Bobby during this time? Four to six months. So like you pretty much had like that period of time with your baby stolen away. It it feels like it a little bit. Yeah, That's really, I mean, it's hard to talk negatively about CPS because it's a a system that's in place that definitely needs to be there. Yeah. But what caused it? It was basically lack of resources. Oh my God. What what took it so long? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I would call and text my caseworker a lot, and she wasn't great about getting back with me. I ended up going down to her office. Didn't even know if she was there, but I was like, I, I have to just do something because th- that was one of the hardest parts too. Is that you couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't do anything to make this go any faster, and I'm I hated that lack of control. So I went down to her office, and she, luckily, you know, she took the time to come and talk to me. She was always very nice and like cordial and understanding in like the best way she could be but she told me that she had like 320 cases right now Mm -hmm. this one person and a lot of those cases are probably children who are actually being abused yeah and so like obviously i don't want to say like our case was on the back burner but like why like if some if some kid is actually being harmed and you know some adults are being put in a tough situation Mm -hmm. the child being harmed is the the priority and i don't disagree with that i just don't think that they should have opened a case in the first place right or i think that there should be a better system of like okay this medical doctor is saying viral related petechiae maybe we just do one home visit in six months and just see what this is Mm -hmm. or maybe we interview somebody because i ended up i reached out in a mom's group um that i'm a part of 
and a pediatric physical therapist kind of that had actually come to our house and because she just did an evaluation on Bobby um she was like do you want me to just share my notes with the people um because she had seen what was happening and I had like talked to her a little bit and I was like yeah whatever whatever can help and I don't know if this is what did it but like the week she shared her notes was the week that we got Really? off supervision and I, it might have just been enough for them to be like oh yeah we do still have that case kind of yeah. thing but um I, maybe instead of putting us on supervision for that long they could have just seen if there were some people that they could reach out to that they could just interview really quickly and drop our case without mm-hmm. it having to go to that point well this is the interesting thing about it to me because i was kind of watching it from the outside but during that two months you guys were never visited or approached by anyone from CPS, right? Not once. So they never checked on you to make sure you were being supervised. They never checked in to make sure that anything was happening. And like, again, like I don't want to talk negatively about the child protective services system because we've, it's a lot like the public school system. It's, we put it in place because we know that we want it there, but then we just don't value it enough to actually give them the resources they need to do a good job. But you guys could have not been getting supervised the whole time and yeah. nothing negative would have happened. And, you know, I, I think that that is a terrible reality because the parents that don't care are going to be the ones that don't do it. Mm-hmm. But to me and Chris, if they came and if we weren't on supervision, would they take Bobby? Right. That was enough. Not worth it. it of was, course not. That was enough. I mean, there were times that I would like go to the house like a couple minutes before my mom would get there mm-hmm. you know think like little things like that or technically the supervisor was supposed to be in the room with us and sometimes i would take bobby out in the backyard mm-hmm. or in the front yard and just because i was just like i just wanted to be a little bit free and like i mean chris's dad he the, the environment he sets up in his house isn't the environment that i like to be in it's just it's dark in there he likes his windows closed and like has the tv on all the time and to me that's just kind of a stressful environment mm-hmm. So, you know, I would do like little things that I probably shouldn't have done to like escape a little, but it, it never like more than a few minutes. So there was never a, more than a few minutes for an entire two months that you were ever alone with your daughter. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. I, like, so when my mom was there, she would like not be always be in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're supposed to be it's like. But, you know, most of the supervisors wouldn't actually stay in the room with us because at that time, too, Bobby was still sleeping in our room. I was still I mean, I'm still breastfeeding, but I was a lot more then because she hadn't started mm-hmm. solids or anything. Um, and so, like, overnight, basically, I got that time. Mm-hmm. I, I technically they Bobby should not have been in the room. But the way we kind of, like, got away with that is we did have a baby cam. So we would just say like the supervisor had access to yeah, see in here. Nobody checked. Ultimately yeah, did yeah. anybody I check. Mean, so who cares? No, but we, we wanted these systems in place just in case at like midnight, right. someone came knocking on our door. We didn't know. Yeah, we they had gonna, no idea. But what if? <laughs> yeah. It's the no, consequence I totally agree. is big enough that it doesn't matter if it's a 99% chance that they are not going to come. Mm hmm if when that with that kind of consequence it one percent is big enough i guess the point i'm trying to make is that like you know we all we all want cps to exist it has to we all want public schools to exist and they i feel like they have to too but if we aren't willing to invest in them 
the way that we should. Like right now, I feel like a lot of people could just start talking shit about the child protective services system. But every single one of those people who are involved in that situation, even though it sucked the way that it was handled for you guys, which is doing, and maybe they weren't doing their best, but maybe we don't have the greatest people in those positions because they don't hardly get paid to do it and they have caseloads of 300. But if we want those types of systems to work in our society, we have to invest the amount of resources that are necessary to make sure that they work before we start bitching about the job that they do. And if we don't do that, then good people like you and Chris get fucking the shit into the stick and you lose two months of life with your daughter because this system that should be doing an awesome service is broken and it's failing. It's just a really, really sad thing. And it's an interesting kind of anecdote from your life. Yeah. I mean, I think that there, there are a lot of systems that are failing and that's kind of, you know, I think that that plays into my like political views. I don't know much about politics, but I know that I would prefer to pay more taxes to have better systems. Mm-hmm. Like, I would prefer universal health care. Mm-hmm. I would prefer for, like, to pay a little bit more in taxes to have our public schools be closer to our private schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's it's worth it. And I, you know, I, this is somewhere that me and Chris kind of disagree in our political views as Chris is a little more every man for himself where I, I think that we should all band together because, you know, we, we can lift each other up in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like, I agree that we, we just need to be okay with sacrificing a small piece of our life. You know, it's probably going to be financial, like through taxes to make sure that our society as a whole has better options. Yeah. Those are all hard things, though. I don't know. We could probably do a whole different podcast. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into politics. I don't know anything about politics. I don't either. I can't talk about it. I can say, like, you know, if if someone were to tell me that this politician is is just helping, like, general welfare through, um, you know, more i guess that would be more of a socialized type mm-hmm. of system right then that that that's kind of the person i would lean towards but not really understanding all of the pros and cons of that i think i'm really trying to i'm considering trying to get more involved in like local politics cuz like nationwide politics now are just such a huge shit show that who gives a shit but like local politics like actually things that might be meaningful in your life and in your neighborhood so and also i have a friend named Daryl Young uh, Daryl Young Jr., for those of you guys who are interested, who's running for district council in District 4. And so, like, now all of a sudden, like, I'm like, holy shit, like, my peers are making moves that are, like, trying, they're trying to influence, like, the trajectory of their communities in, like, a small way. And that, I feel like that's important to me. Like, yeah. it's part of the reason why I became a teacher. It's part of the reason why I started this podcast. It's like, we we need each other and we need each other in small little groups of people we need coaches we need communities and we need to lift each other up and to make each other better because otherwise we just keep getting worse and that's lame yeah yeah i mean this just kind of talking about local politics i i do agree i mean it's it's a a little bit quicker of 
a, a benefit, I think, to if you can get the type of people that have the same views as you in your local offices, maybe that they can put in laws that actually affect your life soon, mm-hmm. where at a national level, it's just such a convoluted process to get mm-hmm. anything to happen that it's going to take years and years and for those laws to even affect your life maybe even longer yeah and i think also like if you think about it on a nationwide level there might be a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions about national politics right around you but if you want to talk about like local politics i imagine most of the people like within a 50 mile radius of you feel exactly the same way about a lot of the national the the regional politics like nobody in the south end of louisville was happy about how long it took for them to up up like to upgrade dixie highway regardless of whether you were conservative or you were more liberal everybody was like can they fucking get this construction finished because it's been like nine years yeah but like are we even happy with what happened no i don't like how it worked out no those medians suck yeah they suck i mean maybe like i know medians are technically safer right that's like supposed to be a thing but the so where bobby goes to the pediatrician the entrance is blocked off by a median we have to go past it do a u-turn and we're always running late there so that doesn't make it any easier and there's also a ton of places you're not allowed to do u-turns i know it, it you can only dig i think you can pop a ue at a light so. i don't know I, I well maybe it's safer i don't know dixie highway is always going to be dangerous no matter mm-hmm. what because people drive like idiots but yeah that is true cane run too there's a lot of people who do not uh who are not super thoughtful or very mindful about how they're driving yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where when I'm sitting at a red light about to, like, go, it turns green, and I just wait a second. I'm like, <laughs> who's going to run it? There's always someone. Man, I see people run red lights on Cane Run all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, bad. Like, mm-hmm. you definitely would have gotten hit if you were just, like, gunning it at the green light. So that whole conversation, we've really transitioned to another super interesting conversation that could be had about just like what the future is going to look like. Because I think driverless cars is going to be a big... Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm super stoked about it too. Yeah, I would absolutely love to be able to work in the car. That was one Mm. cool thing about New York is you don't have internet access, but you do have freedom when you're on the subway. Mm -hmm. You can like download, like I would download playlists on Spotify or you can read books on your hour commute. Like I, you could just go through books. And that was a really, really nice thing about the subway mm-hmm. is you didn't have to drive. Yeah. You could probably do that more now, but you have a baby. I imagine. Cause wait, wait, doesn't working from home give you a lot more autonomy? As far as like being able to like read and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring it out because working for myself, working at home, it also means that I can work as much as I want. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can work as little as I want to, but I don't want to. I want to grow my business. I Mm -hmm. want to be there and be the best like I can for my clients, for my potential clients. And how easy is it? A lot of my work's from my phone. How easy is it if there's like a lull in like, you know, I'm watching Bobby. She kind of goes off on her own. I'm like, oh, I'll just check Instagram really quick. Mm -hmm. Or I'll just check my email really quick. So I start trying to message someone back. And then she comes back and wants my attention. I want to finish that message. Mm -hmm. Or like maybe me and Chris are like having dinner. And I just pop the phone open really quick. So I feel like yes and no. In theory, I could give myself some more time but i don't Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'm, I'm working on that. That is a big thing that I've been working on the past few months is setting myself a little bit more strict work hours. Mm-hmm. Um, like I try to take Fridays completely off and I'll probably spend 30 minutes throughout the day doing a couple of things. Cause you do have to just, gosh, you have to constantly stay relevant. It's annoying sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like I, like I try not to let my Instagram stories go blank. Like th- that's a huge pressure. Um, and you can't do like, I see people do like three day digital detox or whatever. Yeah. Like, you kind of can't really do that when your social media is part of your job. I mean, and part of what I do is I do planned content and I use like an app that posts for me that helps, but like with stories and things where you just need to be a little bit more like there for, yeah, I mean, I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a great way to end this because we're all working on it. Yeah. Your clients are working on it. I'm working on this podcast. I'm going to try not to delete it. (laughs) No, but this was super fun. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah. I think we did a great job. It's like right at one o'clock. So I've got a buttload of content, I think, on there probably. Oh, really? It's so weird how quick it goes. It is a time warp. Yeah. But thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. I'm glad you got a chance to talk about your business. Also, if anyone's interested, I'm on TikTok now. Because I'm like a 28-year-old on TikTok. It's super weird. But it's fun, though. Um, it's the same handle as my Instagram at mama berry nutrition. So if you have TikTok and you're interested, go watch my silly content there. Awesome. And then once you have any insight on that, you can share those with me, but it was fantastic having you, Emily Berry. Yes. Check out the awesome. Facebook page, check out the Instagram page, show her some love. And also if you are interested and you need a coach, you feel like you would benefit from having someone with a lot of insight on nutrition and dietetics and who is, trained to help you try to rebuild positive patterns of behavior that'll help you be more successful with your just personal life in general but also with your nutritions reach out to her and check out her facebook page um i'm really excited that you could do this thank you so much yeah it's fun bye bye And that's it, guys, for part two of Miss Emily Berry. I know what you're thinking. These things are not long enough. I agree. You know, I'd love to make more of them. I'd love to be podcasting all the time, but, you know, that just can't happen. I have to have a job. But if you'd like to continue to see the show grow and create more opportunities for more episodes of Just Friends and new and interesting exclusive material, go check out the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts. You can support the show there by becoming a patron for as little as $5 a month. It gets you access to part two of every conversation three days early on Sunday. As it grows, I plan to reintroduce exclusive sneak peek videos. There's even plan in the future for merchandise and all kinds of fun stuff. But that'll never happen without your all's help. So if you're interested in supporting what we're doing over here at Just Friends, once again, that's patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts. And don't forget, everybody can support the show by sharing the Facebook page, Just Friends Podcast, and the Instagram page, JustFriends.Podcast, and just by sharing links to the show to people who you think would appreciate them. What's your favorite episode? Can you think of somebody who used to be really close to me or Jake or TJ or any of our guests who may not have talked to them in 10 or 15 years? Share the podcast with them. Send them links. You can do it through most of the apps that you're using to listen to those episodes. And you can also share straight from the website at justfriendspod.captivate.com. Guys, I appreciate you all listening so much. I hope you're staying safe, washing your hands, 
making good decisions about social distancing. And I also hope you're making healthy choices about the food that you're eating and how much exercise you're getting. I've been getting up every morning and stretching, and that's been awesome. On days that it hasn't been raining, I've been taking the dog for a run, and I feel great. And I've really needed that extra boost, especially with how much time I've been spending by myself lately. That can be really hard for me. So make sure you're taking your mental health into consideration and your physical health. Take care of yourselves, guys. I love you all. Have a fantastic week. I'll see you Sunday. Bye.